Welcome to Untold Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Osama Gawish. Today marks one month since Russian invasion of Ukraine. The blood war left more than 3 million refugees, hundreds were killed, and raised many questions about the future of communication between Russia and Western governments. Today we will discuss decisions for, from US, UK, Canada, and many European countries regarding blocking and banning Russia Today TV. A state media was funded by Russian government. Last week in the UK, Ofcom revokes Kremlin-backed TV channel license to broadcast in the United Kingdom. The media regulator says it cannot be satisfied that Russia Today can be a responsible broadcaster. So joining me today, Owen Higgins, and I wish I pronounced your name correctly, Owen. Forgive me. Oh, you did. Yeah, thank you. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Owen is a freelance journalist, editor, and reporter. His work has been published in Washington Post, The Intercept, and he is the host of the Flashpoint podcast on Colin. Owen, thank you very much for joining me today. Osama, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Okay, brilliant. Um, Russian-Ukrainian war, one month on. What are your thoughts? Well, it, you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, I think that I, like most people, uh, I think had a had an incorrect assumption of how things would go down uh, in the first place. I didn't think that uh, Russia would completely invade Ukraine to the extent that it did. Um, I, you know, I kind of expected that they might go after the breakaway regions and try and kind of shore up their position uh, in the south uh, east of the country. But I really didn't think that they were going to launch a full scale invasion, uh, which they did. Um, and my other thought, which was also uh, incorrect, was that any invasion of Ukraine would be over very quickly and that uh, Russia would just overwhelm the country uh with uh, with with pretty much with ease but uh yeah like neither one of yeah. those were true um uh, they they did in fact invade uh, all the way and and it's been I, I would call it honestly it's been a disaster um you know the the ukrainians have fought a lot harder than i think people expected obviously they've they've had assistance from arms uh, and, and I'm sure some, some technical help from uh, the West, U.S. and its NATO allies. But for the most part, it's just been them. Um, and, and, and the Russian uh, military has really shown itself to have been really just not prepared for uh, this level of conflict. So yeah. uh, I, I, think that, I think kind of going off of that, you know, like it's a horrific war obviously we're seeing a lot of images and video coming out of it you know a lot of it is of course kind of filtered through uh ukrainian yeah. and, and and western um media outlets and 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 countries because russia is a lot more tight-lipped about what's going on from their perspective but you know from what we're seeing it, it does not look very good uh for russia but at the same time R russia has so uh, such a a large amount of munitions and uh, and 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 ability to just kind of uh, carpet bomb them, and we we've been we've been seeing that we've been seeing you know uh, Kharkiv and and uh, Mariupol yeah. have been uh, you know bombed quite a bit, and and Kiev is Kiev is certainly under attack still. 
Lviv has been hit a little bit. There's, you know, the the, the Donetsk region, uh, the, the two breakaway regions there are just, you know, in complete chaos, being shelled from both sides. Um, it, it, I, I don't want to downplay the severity of the war. Yeah, though, uh, but, but I, I think, think you des- that, you yeah. describe it very very well. In in one word, you said it's it, it is a, da- a disaster. It is three million people fled the country. You know, it's 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 a, hor- a horrific scenes. People, I, I interviewed many, many people and guests from Ukraine, from Kiev, and they described how, how it's hard, how it's difficult to flee the country. And I'm totally understanding because I'm a refugee, so I, I know well the meaning and the feeling of fleeing your country. So, yeah, you describe it very well. It, it is a disaster. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's upsetting to see, and um, it's, you know... Uh, it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that it, it's it's upsetting for a few reasons, right? Because it, it's it's a horrific war. It it's uh, just the human cost is quite high. There's a lot of blood being spilt um, on on both sides. I mean, I don't think that you know it, as as much as we talk about this war, we need to remember too that you know the soldiers who are dying on the Russian side, you know, like are as as soldiers in every war are are uh, for the most part young and uh, not uh, particularly ideologically driven as far as that goes, um, you know, just a lot of people dying on both sides, and it's just very it's just very difficult um, to look at this, which is which is effectively, um, I mean, this war is effectively. The, the Russian government, specifically its head, Vladimir Putin, deciding that they were going to unilaterally uh, launch this war and launching it. And so I, I, would, I would really consider like most of this uh, to be on him. But the second reason that I think that it's upsetting, and, and I've talked about this at length on my show uh, with a number of guests, and including, a, a, you know, you called in uh, once to talk about this. Yeah. That, that it really does expose this double standard because this is not the only horrific war that is even going on right now in the world. And it's certainly not the only horrific war where, where an overwhelmingly powerful force is attacking a, a, much, uh, a, a, a much reduced uh, power force. Uh, and and it's, it, you know, the, the, this is going on in Yemen right now. The U.S. global yeah. war on terror continues. Um, you know, like the, the, you could, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it is, div- it is a little difficult to watch how this is being... Um, portrayed in the media and and how uh, how those other conflicts are. I know that's I know that's a yeah. little, going a little bit off topic, but but that is also a little upsetting. I think. Yeah, but but because today is one month on, so it's yeah, it's totally reasonable to talk about this. But you know, there the, it was a parallel war, Owen. It's a media war, the information war between Russia and the Russian outlets um, um, against the, the, the other European countries, the United Kingdom, the U.S. How, how did you see the, the, the information war, the propaganda war between Russia and the other side? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, you know, Russia's propaganda war, and I know that we're going to talk a little bit you know, about RT and Sputnik, so I'll leave that aside for now, but... Uh, Russia's propaganda war is mostly being waged within the country at this point, where dissenting views have been, you know, completely silenced, and uh, uh, anti-Putin, anti-war outlets have been shut down. Um, 
there is seems to be a pretty iron grip on information. Of course, the same thing has happened in Ukraine. Ukraine is under martial law. They banned a bunch of parties. Um, but the, the the broader information war, I think, uh, that you're referring to is is the information war in the West, and that is being waged. And, and you know, mentioned it before, but the U- the Ukrainian uh, military and media uh, institutions are putting forward a version of what is happening in the war that is not it's not not it's not untrue, but it's also not uh, so easily defined. And and what I mean by yeah. that is that the Ukrainian the Ukrainians are showing us uh, examples of Russian failure and Ukrainian strength and solidarity. Uh, but they are not showing the other parts of war, uh, you know, when when Ukraine is uh, on the receiving end of of, of a bad time or um, like the, the military. Like they'll definitely show civilians because that is a good information propaganda tactic, but they won't show like their soldiers uh, losing. They, they'll only show very brief snippets. A lot of stuff in, in this war has been kind of – uh, have have been kind of difficult to trace because, um, for for example, like th- there have been there have been some bombing campaigns in which uh, Ukraine has said uh, such and such a thing happened, so and so many people died, and then there's been no video and there's been no yeah. independent verification to back it up. Now I'm not saying that these things are not happening. Obviously, the bombing campaign. I mean, like look, look, we can see. The results of the bombing campaign that Russia is doing, uh, there's there's no way that it would be uh, unreasonable to assume that Russia is doing any of the things that they are accusing them of. Uh, but uh, on on some occasions, uh, there have been times where it's very unclear as to like like we're getting some information from Ukrainian sources, but then we're not really having anything to back it up. And I think that is kind of part of the information propaganda war. Now, a lot of the time, Western media outlets whether in the U.S. or in Europe or, or, or wherever, are, are yeah. mostly uncritically repeating this. Uh, and uh, that, I mean, that does present some, some problems and some challenges. I think that especially in the U.S. there, there is a it's, – it's one thing to kind of say uh, that Russia is the clear aggressor here, which I have no problem saying that. Uh, but in the U.S., uh, there has been a longstanding kind of anti-Russian – uh, sentiment that has been expressed in the media yeah. and in certain aspects of the political class. And so that has kind of uh, led us to the point where uh, where it's kind of difficult to see any kind of nuance in any in any any part of these these conflicts here. Yeah, um, I will come to the RT blocking shortly. But the, the thing is, oh, in, um, many, many um, media outlets in the UK, in the US, it just now repeated every day the government narrative we 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 spent the the last decade and the, the decade before show that the media here is independent and they are challenging the government decision about war about domestic decisions and and whatever but at this war if you open the bbc if you open fox news or cnn and correct me if i'm wrong they are just repeated the official narrative is it something new for, for, for you as a journalist to, to, to watch this independent Western media repeated an official narrative? I mean, 
Not really. Uh, this is kind of what we saw during Libya um, in, in, in 2011. Uh, it's certainly what we saw uh, in 2001 with Afghanistan. Certainly. Um, I think that it is to an extent it's, it, it, it's similar to, to Iraq, uh, to the conversations around Iraq and uh, in the lead up. Nuclear weapons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chemical weapons, WMDs. Um, you know, I, I, I'm from a part of the country where uh, people didn't really believe that excuse and were very anti-war. I, I realize that's not like reflective of of the rest of the country but that like where i was from where i'm from it was like that um and so there was a lot of uh you know kind of disdain for for that line but uh but certainly and and so like you know so our local media you know kind of reflected that a little bit they were a little bit more challenging and of course like a lot of the more liberal papers uh, like the New York Times and the Washington Post, although they did uncritically repeat a lot of things leading up to the Iraq war. Um, like there was still a little bit of space to question the government narrative. Uh, you know, how, how that goes, it goes back and forth, I guess. Uh, but I do think that, I, I do think that, that this is, I mean, like, the unique part about this, and it's like I was, like I was saying earlier, is that the Russia... Russian media and Russian narratives are not having a particularly easy time uh, getting through, right? They're not having a particularly easy time getting through because they've been uh, stifled in so many ways, including the way that we're going to get to talk about. But even before that, like, it's just it, it, every, every, anything that comes out of Russia is automatically labeled as misinformation, fairly or not. And so we don't tend to get that, uh, that perspective. When it comes to... Ukrainian uh, media narratives, uh, I certainly do think, I mean, you're right, it is being uncritically repeated a lot of the time, and yeah. that is in keeping with uh, the desire of, of, the, of the U.S. Uh, and, and other Western governments. Okay, um, um, last week in my Arabic show on Colin, I interviewed the Russia Today um, reporter in, in London, in the United Kingdom, and, and he make his point that, okay, if Russia today is publishing or broadcasting fake news or the state narrative, it's the same like CNN or Fox News or BBC right here. It just repeated the official narrative. So do you think there is a, a, a big difference between... I, I, I'm talking about the last month, not before that. In the last month, it, it, it was a big difference between Russia today and, and BBC, for example, in the United Kingdom. Do I think that there's a big difference between them? Yeah, yeah, about the broadcasting, the news they are publishing and broadcasting. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I am not um, I am not familiar enough with RT uh, to make yeah. that judgment uh, so easily. Um, I do know that. I mean, my limited uh, knowledge of RT is that they have produced a few programs that that I have enjoyed uh, in the past, but most of the stuff that I saw from them, uh, you know, over the last five to 10 years was, uh, was really not uh, the kind of thing that I find very interesting. Uh, you know, just kind of like a bunch of right-wing culture war stuff. Um, you know, like, and this is RT America. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what they do uh, elsewhere or what they did elsewhere, but um, you know, that, that was my impression of it. Um, but uh, you know, the BBC, uh, I mean, 
you know, I, I, it, I'm familiar with it, obviously, because it's on NPR here in America. And when I've, uh, yeah. you know, when I've lived in Ireland, it's, it's been, it's been on there as well, as well as RTE news. Uh, but I feel that maybe not here, but I always feel that in, in Britain and in countries where in, well, in Britain and Ireland anyway, uh, there is an understanding that these are uh, state media uh, apparatuses, and so they what they say is taken with with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I'm not there, so I don't really know, but that's always been my impression. Would you say that's yeah. wrong? I'm 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 not sure about that, but you know, when I read the Ofcom uh, regulation, and you know well how the Ofcom work here in the UK, when they describe the the RT that they cannot be satisfied that Russia today can be a responsible broadcaster. You know, this is a big argument here in this country. Do you think this kind of decision is a political decision, but it's um, really about the Ofcom regulation? Because I, I know the Ofcom regulation well, but uh, I don't know why they provoke the license of RT at this time, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what is it's it, again? I mean, I think this is this is like one of the problems of um, of talking about European uh, speech laws and media uh, from an American perspective, because obviously our our speech laws, I think, are a lot more liberal and open uh, than they are there. Um, so, but so for me, it's like so that's an interesting thing, right? Like, um, it, it's not a responsible broker of information. Uh, from my perspective, uh, so what? I mean, like, like I don't like. It, I, I don't think that people should be taken off the air because they're telling lies. I mean, uh, you know, if if we if we actually applied that standard fairly, uh, I, th- I think a lot of broadcasters and a lot of politicians obviously wouldn't be wouldn't be on the air, right? So, uh, but you know, uh, so but I understand that 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 you know that's that's the um, you know that's the excuse that they're using now but it just it it does feel to me and i think this is kind of what you're getting at that it it does uh feel to me that um that that they are uh, making this decision because they don't like the perspective uh that rt would be giving on this conflict and again like you know uh i i i tend to think that people should be trusted to make their own decisions and so if um if if you are looking at a situation in which um, one country invades the other, and that country's media apparatus is saying that the invasion was good, um, I mean, if you're going to take that like at face value and not challenge it, then I think the problem is a lot deeper than something that RT is saying, right? Yeah. I mean, like like this is this is very basic logic. Like like one country invades the other. That that is that is an active move. That is that is an action that is being taken. Um, and, uh, if, if, if one is, if, if there is going to be a, um, if, if there's going to be like, like the state apparatus, uh, state media apparatus from the invading country is going to say that it's okay. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's probably, it's, it's quite likely, uh, yeah. that, that they're just not really worth taking seriously. Okay, but d- during a war like this, Owen, who can decide whether this TV or news outlet is broadcasting fake news or not? Because um, I remember Donald Trump, he spent four years um, accusing the American news media that they are all were broadcasting and publishing fake news. So who can decide 
whether is it a fake news or not. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the thing, right? Like if I, I think that it would be good for people uh, who are in favor of this to think about um, what kind of leader can you think of who was recently in power who would love the opportunity to determine what news is fake and what news is not and which, and and what channels should be allowed to broadcast. You know, like that is Trump, as you're saying. That's exactly yeah. like he he would have loved that. Um, so I, 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 I just kind of question, like, I question the utility of it, uh, which, you know, and I question, like, whether or not it's, it's useful to do this. I think that also um, it, it also presents a situation that isn't real, right? Like, it presents by, by banning RT – uh, these European countries are essentially saying, like, the, the implication is we are at war and uh, therefore the enemy's broadcast should be, um, you know, cut. But we're not at war. Like, no country in the West is at war uh, with Russia. Russia is at war with Ukraine, uh, which is a country in Europe, in, you know, uh, Central Eastern Europe, right next to Russia. Um, and as horrific and as horrible and as unjustified as that war is, uh, it is not a war with the rest of the West. And the, no war has been declared. So it's kind of like a way of trying to have it both ways, where you can kind of sell, your, uh, sell, your, sell the public, sell the population on the idea that there is an actual war here going on. But in reality, there is not, um, with, without having to actually declare war, without actually having to have any kind of hot war. Uh, going on, um, and, it, yeah. and it, like like the act of banning itself is a propaganda tool, like like for these countries in Europe, it is a propaganda tool by itself because what because again like I said like like the the message that it is sending is that uh, we are at war with Russia, even though we're not. Um, now in the U.S., the way that it's been done is different. Um, you know, it's been uh, tech companies which have yeah, uh, like kind of like like cut uh, RT's ability to broadcast, which uh, brings up a lot of other concerns and questions uh, about mm. like you know like should these tech companies have a level of power which allows them to essentially act as a state when it comes to regulating information? Uh, should uh, should they just have the power to unilaterally do this? Do, do you uh, think, Owen, it, it was the same argument when Twitter banned Donald Trump account? I think, I think that it is. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I wasn't um, in favor of that. Uh, I, it, 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 that was that was a pretty tenuous moment, I think, for American democracy. Uh, the moment that that happened, um, but those moments can be tests of your principles and tests of what you really believe. Um, and I I thought about it and kind of you know bounced it around in my head a little bit, and eventually came out on the side that look you know um, we gotta we gotta just look at it this as should the president uh, be banned from Twitter or not, 
and you know uh, ideologically on principle i would say uh he he should not um i also understand the other side of it and like i'm saying like i'm saying with this i understand the other side i understand that it's uh, a private company and so therefore uh you know uh, objections to this have to take that into account for sure yeah um you know like that is the reality uh that we're in but at the same time um it does really just come down to whether or not uh, this is a power that we should be investing or should be investing in these tech companies and whether or not they've earned it or, or really have the right to that power. And um, I, I, just, I, I just think that yeah. it's just a little difficult for me to kind of go 100% in on there. Yeah, but you know, Owen, who can stop this tech giant from taking such a decision? If, if they consider Osama or Owen or whatever they want as an enemy on as a threat or publishing fake news, tweeting fake news. So who can stop them after this kind of decisions? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think that there are a lot of, like, like I'll say this, like there are a lot of good people uh, who work to combat misinformation and disinformation um, on these tech platforms. Um, and they uh, would make a very strong and, and I think credible argument that uh, taking down vectors of misinformation and disinformation is a matter of the public good and that therefore it is the tech company's responsibility to manage their company responsibly and, and to do this in a way uh, that, that considers, uh, you know, again, the public good in making it. Uh, you know, I think that it is an open question on, on what yeah. that looks like. I'm certainly somebody who thinks about the slippery slope on this stuff. Um, you know, even e even when it comes to, to things that, that that are, you know, that are dangerous. Uh, but um, uh, obviously everyone has a line somewhere. And... Uh, you know, some people's lines may be in different places. I, I do think that one thing about these tech giants, you know, making these decisions unilaterally in the way that they do, one of the big problems with this is that it's just not uh, equally applied, right? Like, if they yeah. had equally applied Twitter's terms of service, which, again, like, when you join Twitter, uh, you are agreeing to a, to, to a set of terms of service uh, that will determine uh, how... You interact with the platform, and and you agree that your behavior uh, will align uh, with with these expectations. Okay, fine. Like, okay, that's fine. Uh, but then, you know, look at all of the stuff that uh, that Trump's um, that that Trump did with with his account before yeah. he was banned. Right? Look at all this stuff. I mean, he like he violated the rules constantly. Um, he spread. Uh, dangerous misinformation and disinformation constantly. And so um, because this was never, like, because they never did anything about it before, uh, it, it just makes it like, it's like, okay, so this was the thing that kind of like pushed it over the edge. Wh why was this the thing? You know? So okay, it, but yeah. Yeah, you know, when, when you read of Facebook terms and conditions regarding the spreading any violence or incitement against anybody, Facebook now is allowing this. However, during the, the, um, the Israeli-Palestinian war a few months ago, it's prohibited and anyone just 
put any picture regarding a Palestinian child or guy just um, um, try to confront Israeli soldier. It's it's uh, against the Facebook terms and condition, and he got banned for a month or two months from uh, publishing or posting anything. So this kind of double standards, it's I I think raise a, a major concern, Owen, about the freedom of press, the freedom of expression, and how this tech giant um, make it political. It is not about its terms and condition, right? Yes, I completely agree. I mean, the, like the, the Palestine conflict is a perfect example uh, where, where we have um, probably, you know, in my mind, one of, the mo- one of the most morally clear conflicts on the planet uh, where there is a very clear aggressor and a very clear victim. Uh, however, uh, these, these tech companies um, – do not take the same approach uh, when to this uh, clear uh, victim aggressor situation that they do to the one in in Ukraine, right? Like you're saying, like uh, yeah, the the idea that people would um, be supporting uh, Palestine and Palestinians against uh, you know the the, the occupying uh, army. And uh, and and the the state of Israel uh, is is just uh, like automatically uh, discredited discredited yeah. in in the way that it's treated. So uh, I yeah I, I think that I think that's a really that's a really good example to use in how these standards are not applied fairly. And the, and and again, I mean the the, the Facebook stuff that I and I, I think you're referring to like the calls for violence against Russia, right? Like. That, that now you can you can call for violence against Russia and Russians as as long as you live in a certain uh, the, the, a number of like Eastern European countries that uh, that are in proximity to Ukraine or if you're in Ukraine and now you can also like praise Azov Battalion a neo-Nazi group uh, that has kind of like integrated itself into the Ukrainian military for no other reason than um, in both cases that uh, Facebook has decided that. The Russians are the bad guys, and the the Ukrainians are the good guys. Which, which again, again, like I'm saying, like you can agree with that, definitely. Yeah. But that does not mean um, that. Uh, I mean, like, like these standards should be applied in 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 the most uh, logical and like devoid of emotion way. Like, like it should be very, very cold and calculating decision. And the cold and calculating decision here has to just be made on the principle, not made on any emotion about it, not made on the politics of it. And if it was yeah. made that way, uh, then either, you know, you would see uh, people being able to express solidarity with Palestine uh, without problems. And I think you would see that anyway, because I, because I don't think that expressing solidarity with Palestine is, uh, is, is quite the same thing. But, uh, but, but it's just not done that way. Uh, for political reasons, and and that kind of uh, cheapens and discredits the entire kind of uh, tech project of of regulating speech in this manner. Okay, and back to RT situation again. What do you think about any media outlet, any TV station that the government, specific government, is funding it? Because we all know about the state media. We we have. A bad experience. Iran launched the press TV in the United Kingdom a few years ago. China did the same thing. Russia today. And in the Middle East, 
I, I have a huge experience about how the Egyptian regime, for example, run the media for just one way, the just hypocrisy for supporting the president, supporting the policies and everything. So what do you think from the freedom of press perspective, the, the state's media TV, this example? So uh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite follow. So so. What do I think about what about it? This kind of media, this kind of that, that, that a government funding a TV station in different language, Russia today in 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 the UK in the United States. What do you think about this kind of of, of media, this kind of broadcasting? Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that is fine um i mean i i i kind of look at it in the same way as uh it, it's it's a way of of one country reaching out to another in terms that the that the other country can understand um you know i i don't i don't think that it's i don't think that it's a bad thing i think that you know my my real issue with this would be to say that um you know, if if we're going to make sure that we always define and uh, note uh, the fact that RT or, or Sputnik or you know wh- whichever other outlets are in question are um, are Russia state media, we just do the same thing uh, for for the others. But but I don't think I mean you know like. Uh, uh, the, the U.S. sponsors uh, Voice of America and, and other, you know, uh, other media outlets that uh, th- that talk to people in other parts of the world in different languages. Um, uh, the U.K. does. Uh, I mean, many countries do this, so I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. And last week, after my interview with the Russia Today reporter in, in the United Kingdom, I tweeted about my opinion of blocking Russia Today. And I said, I'm against this. I'm a journalist. I believe in freedom of press, freedom of expression. So, okay, I'm against the fake news. I'm against this kind of media. However, don't block this uh, TV or that. But I I um, take an argument from many of uh, followers that Russia today is not the kind of media that you should stand against its planning and censorship. D- do you believe this is a correct approach to dealing with Russia today or this kind of media? Owen? Uh, to ban them? Yeah, to just, yeah, agreeing of banning on censorship because they are spreading or broadcasting fake news or... No, no, I, I, no, I completely disagree with that. I, I think that that is the exact wrong of, of, of approach to it. Um, uh, you know, like, like set aside um, the utility of it. Set aside like whether or not it's useful. Um, I, 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 I share, I share your view on this. I, I think that that is just not a. Uh, it's just not the right thing to do. Um, and you know, again. But the countries that are banning RT are not at war with Russia, so there's no excuse to be made here that um, that you know somehow uh, that uh, like that that it has to be done because we're at war. We're not at war, so why like why do we have to? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't make doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, 
and and I and I just don't think that it's useful. I just think that you know, like if if what RT is saying is self evidently uh, propaganda and lies, which uh, by the way, like I actually think that it is, <laughs> um, then just then just have it be out there. Who cares? Like you know, like like Fox. Fox News is the same thing in the U.S. Um, uh, is uh, obviously the U.S. hasn't banned uh, RT because they can't. Is again, it's the tech companies have have to be again really really clear about that. Like like uh, it is it is against the the law for for the U.S. government uh, to ban RT as far as as far as I know. I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So so they can't do that. Uh, but you know, if they could, and if they tried to, I mean, like like Fox uh, tells more lies than RT does yeah. on, on a normal day. Um, uh, MSNBC and CNN aren't too great either. So, hmm. you know, uh, like look, is is RT like a vector of misinformation and disinformation? Is it actively trying to spread this stuff? Uh, arguably, yes. Does that make a difference? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, for our listeners, if you want to ask question or disagree with something I have said or Owen said, just press the call button and you will be held in the caller's queue and then the floor will be yours. So, Owen, what have we lost by blocking RT as journalists? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is, it's always good to have, um, it's always good to have uh, a variety of voices. I think that, um, you know, for every, uh, you know, commentator on RT, like Nico house, uh, there's probably somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. So I think that, I think that it's good to, uh, offer the, um, ability for, for them to, to say, uh, what they want. I mean, RT America, uh, hired and uh, platformed a lot of American journalists. Now, you may not agree with what they're saying, and maybe what they were saying was um, aimed at uh, supporting uh, Russian governmental aims and, and spreading misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, blah, 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 whatever. Conspiracy theories doesn't really matter. Um, you know, like, it, 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 I don't think that it's a bad thing to get uh, those voices out there on the air. Uh, I know that uh, um, they've had some anti-war voices on there before. Abby Martin, a journalist who I respect immensely, used to have a show on RT. Uh, she has spoken online about how, you know, like what what a disaster it is to have lost her archive, which is now just kind of gone. Uh, Google yeah. uh, took it off the off the internet uh, via YouTube. They just uh, they just wiped the whole thing. So, you know, that's quite upsetting. I mean, I think like like I would say that probably like I I would I would point to Abby's show, um, and I I can't remember I think Fault Lines maybe I can't remember exactly what it was called um, uh, as as like the perfect example here where you have a journalist doing a lot of really really good work um, on international issues and domestic issues in the U.S. Uh, something like five hundred and something shows that are just like wiped now that are gone. I think that's a real loss. That's a real loss. I don't think yeah. that it's a loss that some of the people who uh, ha do no longer have platforms will no longer have that platform. Like, I don't think that's a loss, but I also don't think that um, that it justifies. Um, like, I'm not cheering it on, you know. Like, yeah. I'm, like I'm saying, like, you know, I don't yeah. like that. That's kind of whatever. But, um, but I definitely think that that as as a journalist, it's it's upsetting. Yeah, it's totally upsetting. Oh. 
this all of work just gone in one day. So yeah, I'm totally agree with you. And um, my final questions: Do you think the freedom of press is in danger after this war? You know, I can't I can't speak to Europe because I know again hmm. that Europe has much more restrictive speech laws. Yeah. Uh, than than the U.S. does. Um, I am concerned about some things I've seen tech companies in the U.S. do, um, uh, you know, including, you know, the decision to, to you know, to basically take RT off the air to to erase that stuff, but also like. Um, the, like these just unilateral decisions to like append uh, Russian state media to certain Twitter accounts. Um, and again, I'm not saying that that isn't accurate, but it just isn't done for British state media or for U.S. state media. And so it does strike me as kind of like like an escalation of, of, of terms. And uh, to me, looking at like, like tech companies – tend to be pretty reactive to the way that uh, the public acts because the public are the consumers of their product. And so they tend to uh, be the ones who, who they kind of have to cater to. They have to make sure, you know, that their sites are still usable because all of these sites are free. And so, you know, in order to make sure that people still use them, you have to make sure that you don't like push too far in either direction. Um, it does seem like they have made the calculation uh, that going after Russian media in this way is something that is uh, politically uh, uh, palatable to to users of these these sites. And so, yeah. If it, so, what I'm trying to say is that like that is a little bit worrying to me because if they understand that they can get away with that then they push the window, the Overton window a little bit further in that direction. And so it'll be easier for them to, uh, to restrict something else. And that is of course, like the, um, the slippery slope argument. And again, like, like I mentioned earlier in the show, like I have, I have friends who work on, uh, disinformation, uh, stuff who, who would probably disagree with me and, yeah. and may well like make a, a much stronger argument than I'm making for it. Um, and and so I'm I'm certainly not saying that that the other side of this argument doesn't have some validity to it. I'm just saying that from my perspective, I think that it is not very useful, and I think that um, I think that the ramifications of it can be uh, may be quite dangerous. Yeah, great. Thank you very much, Owen. I really enjoyed that uh, conversation with you. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, anytime. Thanks. Thank you, and good luck with the Flashpoint podcast. I'm a big yes. fan. Yeah, thank you, Sama. Thank you. Thank you. And for all our listeners, thank you very much. And stay tuned for our next episode of Untold the Stories podcast next Tuesday, 9 p.m. London time. Thank you. Good night. Bye.